Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the round 22 preview edition. Uh, just three games left now before finals and uh, boys are getting tight at the top. And as we approach the end of the home and away season, it uh, seems like half the world's giving it away. Retirement's coming left, right, centre. As I say, uh, very good morning to my co-host, uh, Mr. Rodney Ead. Are you retiring, Rocket? I've retired about five times, Ron, so <laughs> I've come back each time. Uh, yeah, slowly, um, I think, retiring into the uh, into the distant sun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bruising business, the world of AFL football. I'm, uh, I must say, I've had thoughts along those lines myself, particularly in recent days, but we are shaping up for a, a thrilling end of the 2023 season, uh, one of the tightest races for the final eight we've ever seen. We've got uh, nine big games to preview, plenty of news to talk about, so, so let's waste no more time, let's get stuck straight into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, uh, like I said, tight at the top, and uh, one of the newsy-flavoured fallouts of this, I guess, has been uh, Collingwood, after being top dog all year, now lost a couple of games in a row. Uh, injuries to key players, Nick Dacos and um, Nathan, Nathan Murphy. Oh, here we go. I just said to you, Rocket, I've got a block about him and Nick Murray from Adelaide. Anyway, they're both injured. But, uh, I him, yep. A, a lot of handry about the pies and, and where they're at. Uh, I've written a thing this week for ESPN, sort of defending their position. Obviously, Nick Dacos is a big loss for them. But um, how do you feel about the pies? I mean, they've got time to turn things around, don't they? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's, I think, uh, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd like to win every game. But I think we're set on here, and we've been Nostradamus a little bit. Uh, I think uh, we've, we've mentioned that they're clearly the best side in the competition, but it only takes a couple of injuries to actually swing the pendulum. Now, Nathan uh, Murphy is not uh, Darcy Moore, understand, but Dacos is a pretty big out. Murphy gives them that bit of uh, stability down back. Um, so I think it's just even even the cards up, to be honest. I think they deserve to be top. They're going to finish top. If they win their first final, well, no one's going to mention anything about it. So And the Dacos will be back after that first final. So I, I think they needed a loss at some stage. They've had two in a row. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world. They'll be able. To, I don't think they've changed a lot. Teams are doing a lot of homework on them. Uh, they'll be able now to adjust to that as well, rather than sort of be blindsided during the final series. So, no, I don't think all is lost. I think it, it, it certainly evens the competition up a bit. But uh, I still think they're favourites at the moment. It's interesting the sorts of indicators which people use now to judge whether a side's in form or not. Um, this is getting a bit eggheady, but I've been drilling down on this a bit lately. And we, we talk a lot about clearances and contestable. They're two stats that come up a lot. Now, a lot was made in uh, Collingwood's loss to Hawthorne. They got thrashed at the um, centre bounce clearances, 18-3. Now, that is a toweling. Uh, two interesting points out of that, though. Hawthorne only scored three goals from those 18 centre bounce clearances. The other thing is, I read that that was the second worst figure in a game this year. The worst figure was recorded by GWS against Melbourne. Well, bottom line of that is, GWS won the game. So uh, Richmond, when they won their flags, were a pretty ordinary clearance team. So I'm not sure, and contest a ball, uh, while, whilst we're talking about it, Hawthorne, when they won their uh, three-peat, yep. they were notoriously poor contest a ball. So... Um, Okay, I'll, I'll let you go here. I'll just go throw out one more thing. But um, the Champion Data Premiership Standards Table, um, it talks about the the stats in which most premiers rank top six. I think only three of the last 10 uh, premiers have ranked top six for clearances. And I think only four of the last 10 have ranked top six for contested ball. So... Are we looking at the right stats when we assess teams' form now? Uh, well, I think what happens is that we try to uh, overanalyze and look for something when team loses, <laughs> and say, "Oh, that's a stark difference." Okay, that's got to be uh, 
Now that's going to be a key indicator. I think for me, 18-3 is a belting. But what it does, it gives Hawthorne territory. Even if they don't score directly, it gives them a territory. I think with all I think contested ball is not overrated, if that's the right phrase, because it's not, but it's not a beacon by itself, and that's the be all and end all. As you said, Hawthorne when they're three beat, we're in the bottom four for contested ball. So there's three aspects of the game is there's winning the ball, so contested ball, using it properly, so that disposal efficiency, and the other one is putting pressure on the opposition. Hawthorne were extremely good at pressure on the opposition and using the ball well. So they were elite in those two. So yeah. it's a combination of different stats. And I think even if you contest a ball, you can lose. I've always used the term, there's a buffer zone. So if you lose it by five or six, that's a buffer zone. You're not getting belted. It's about even. That's yeah. the right phrase. Buffer zone might be about 10. If you're beating by more than 10 and contest a ball, well, you've probably got an alarm to look at. So I think there's always a buffer zone with every stat we use. But I think it's just, I don't know if laziness is the right phrase, but it's just an easy go-to, isn't it? Well, yeah, and I, I think... When you find something, I think there's a bit more to it. Um, I think Hawthorne... Sorry, Carl. No, it's okay. Uh, I just, you, you froze there. Uh, there's six categories in which every single Premier of the last 10 years has ranked top six. And they're points against, points against from turnovers, opposition points from the forward half, defensive to forward 50 transition, inside 50 differential, and time in forward half. Now, it's just worth noting, yes, Collingwood's in a slump, but prior to last weekend, anyway, their rankings in all those respective categories were first, first, second, fifth, fifth, and ninth. So there was one in which they're dragging their heels, and that's the time in forward half differential. Um, you know, territory is becoming a, a more important stat, I think, but it's just interesting. I think sometimes in, in these things, we're a little bit behind where the game is headed and it takes a little while to yeah. catch up. Yeah, that's right. And I think stats are, what he always just said to me, no, I need to be evidence-based. I need to gather evidence. But evidence is a collection of data over a period of time and the horse has already bolted. It's already yeah. changed. Uh, yes. So it's it's about reading the, uh, the winds of change quickly enough or actually instigating the winds of change uh, yourself. Now, on those stats, Collingwood are actually scoring a lot from the back. They generate a lot of their ball from the back half. They don't play territory as much. So they don't, they don't dominate clearances. Uh, they get the ball in their forward 50, but it's more on the back of their quick ball movement, their kamikaze run, um, and they run the overlap, and they get it in and they score. And that gives their forwards a chance, to be honest, and I'm not being... Uh, I'm not being facetious here. Jamie Elliott's probably their only match winner in the forward line. Uh, they've got a lot of support players who survive on the ball getting in there quickly. If it doesn't get in quickly, they uh, aren't good enough, aren't an A-grade factor to be able to win the ball, to be able to score. Hawthorne put all their efforts into uh, negating more, stopping their runoff half back. So there, Hawthorne couldn't. Uh, sorry, Collingwood couldn't get through that mid zone to be able to give their forwards a look enough. And I thought Hawthorne prepared pretty well. Port Adelaide did that. Now they didn't convert that night, but teams are doing the homework on Collingwood. So Collingwood are going to have to just not change dramatically, but just shift the needle a little bit to adapt to that. Uh, really interesting analysis. Unfortunately, you used the phrase "the winds have changed," which made me think of that shocking band, uh, song by uh, that band, The Scorpions. The winds have changed. You're right, Matt. Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> That's One of my pet hates is bands with English as a second language. So uh, Fanny and I used to go on about that song all the time because he used to say, down to Gorky Park to listen to the winds of change. Anyway, we might leave that grab out of the... <laughs> that was a good analysis, but that was all I could hear going around in my head. Uh, all right. Now, further to Collingwood, I guess the other big talking point um, is Carl because they are just on a roll now, seven wins in a row. Uh, really good comeback win over the Saints, um, who got, I think, 22 points up at half time. Uh, so people are now asking, and I actually debated this with Jake Michaels from ESPN, can Carlton win the flag from the bottom half of the eight? Now, Form uh, would say maybe they can. I just think the system means you can't. And uh, I know the pre-finals buyers altered things a bit, but there's a pretty good reason uh, that in 23 completed years of this final eight system, 
only one side has come from the bottom half of the eight to win it. That was the Western Bulldogs in 2016. Two more sides have come from the bottom half of the eight to reach a grand final, and that's GWS in 2019 and the Dogs two years ago, both of whom got absolutely taken apart in the big one. So, look, I might be wrong, but I am a big believer in history, Rocket, and I think uh, it's so even, and I think I don't think anyone's good enough that they're capable of winning four cutthroat finals across four weeks to win a premiership. Am I right or am I wrong? No, no, I think you're right there because, as you said, the competition's so even. You've got to win four tough, hard games. It's not an easy one amongst that. Having said that, Carlton, uh, we'll get Chera back, we'll get Walsh back at some stage over the next few weeks. They, they need to get the job done over the next three weeks as well, and they haven't got an easy draw. And now they've got teams in and around them. So it's not uh, it's not that easy for them. But they're playing exceptional footy. To be able to win without Chera and Walsh on the weekend to come back was a, was a really great, great effort. Mackay might come back as well. And I think they'll use him differently when he comes back. Obviously, Kerno's shown that he's the man. You know, Mackay's better to play the old centre-half forward or what Jeremy Cameron and Franklin have done. Play up the ground, get your athleticism, get the ball inside 50, maybe get players back with your athleticism. Um but they'll, they'll give it a shake, I think. If uh, I think the Premier Finals blow might help them get their players back, as it will with most teams. But I think they've done exceptionally well. Um, the big change for them, and we know, is that they're, they're trying to move the ball more quickly. They're playing a yeah. bit more freedom rather than being defend with ball in hand, which is old school. That was two or three years ago. Now it's about you've got to take the game on. And they made that change, um, and, it's worked, uh, and it's worked dramatically for them. They've just got a bit more zip about them now, haven't they? We're talking there about, you know, Jack Martin, um, uh, Motlop, um, Honey, oh, Liam, oh, oh, who was that, Owies. Owies, yeah. I mean, those small pressure boards. They were a big reason they started last year pretty well, I think. And when they fell away, that the demise of those guys was a big reason too. So I, I think there's a common denominator there in how they've turned their season around. Uh, all right, time will tell. We'll, uh, they've got a massive game, which we will preview shortly. Uh, quick one. Look, there's a lot of retirements going on. We will wrap them all up, but just two who we probably need to talk about just quickly, and it's absolutely no disrespect to the other players who have retired over the last few days, but two who came up simultaneously on Tuesday, the day before we've recorded this, as former uh, captains or current captain and former captain, Luke Shuey at West Coast and Ben Cunnington at North Melbourne. Uh, great records, both of them. Cunnington, 237 games to the Ruse. Captain the Ruse, uh, two best and fairest. Still holds the record for the most contested possessions in a single game, 32. Um, and, of course, waylaid by uh, well a couple of bouts of testicular Cancer, which uh, really, uh, and he wrote a fantastic, wonderful speech he made, which uh, actually made me tear up a bit watching him address his teammates. But he talked about how recovering from that, uh, it's changed his priorities and perspective, and and he's just not as hungry about you know that sort of win at all costs thing, do anything to succeed. It's not as important to him now, and absolutely fair enough because he's. Priorities in life of older, having come perilously close to losing life. So, uh, you know, well done, Ben Cunnington. Luke Shuey, well, uh, one of the greatest grand final, individual grand finals ever played. His performance in 2018 when he had 34 disposals, uh, kicked a goal, huge in turning the game around after West Coast slipped nearly uh, five goals down. Two best and fairest for him, 247 games. Uh, but just in the end, tissue paper hamstrings. He just couldn't run on the park without getting injured again. And uh, he's decided to give it away. So your assessment as, I guess, an opposition coach who had to plan against these players of both those guys, Rocket? Um, yeah, well, obviously both midfielders and diametrically opposite players, 180 degree. One, your first player with speed who could tear the game apart. And except for his hamstring, probably had another couple of years you know, left in him of, of some good quality footy, but uh, unfortunately that uh, hamstring gave way. But uh, he ended up being a match winner, a guy who could break the lines, was a good kick, 
and then obviously going to become captain of the of the West Coast Eagles was a fantastic player. Uh, Cunnington was the opposite. Really went against the grain of being a modern day player of covering the territory, be able to run either aerobically fit or with speed. Probably had neither, but just an ability a to read the game, so be able to cut those angles. But his toughness, you know, con- you know contested ball, very good decision maker with it as well. And people were over his career were critical of him who were athletic mode or about, oh, well, he can't keep up, he can't do this. But Greg Williams is an example, Tony Shaw. These players, if you can play football, you can play football. And that should yeah. be the first filter. And he's, he was a fantastic player, terrific leader, obviously a very quiet, humble sort of guy. Um, and went out on his terms, a great comeback from his, you know, from his cancer scare. But uh, both great players, both terrific captains. Um, and, and they'll leave a legacy of their club. Uh, well well said, very well articulated. Um, all right, let's finish off our new segment. We said we we're going to do this, and we will. Our ladder predictors, so uh, I've jumped on and done mine. Hopefully, you've done yours as well. Um, head us with your top eight in order. Collingwood, Melbourne, Brisbane, Port, Bulldogs. The next three are up for grabs. Um uh, they could go even that, which is fantastic for the for the competition at this stage, this late stage, be able to be still uh, in the throws. I think Essendon miss. I'll go the other way. I think Essendon miss. I'd love Adelaide to get there. So I'm going to go with a bit of uh, my uh, emotion uh, in this one, my heart to be able to pick Adelaide um, uh, to be in the eight. I think St Kilda may miss. Um, I think Carlton will be sixth. So Bulldogs, Carlton, uh, Giants, and is it Adelaide or Long? But I'll go Adelaide because Geelong have had enough success. We'll go with Adelaide. <laughs> that's very, very. That's, that's a good reason, that isn't it? <laughs> very, very scientific. Uh, so, so you've got St Kilda, Geelong, uh, Sydney, and Essendon missing out. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, I'm going to be a little more uh, systematic. Uh, Collingwood, mining order. Collingwood, I've got Melbourne finishing second, Port Adelaide third, Brisbane fourth. I've got Carlton fifth, Bulldogs sixth. Uh, I've got Geelong making it. Now, the difference there, obviously, is um, they've, I've got them losing this week, but I've got them beating St Kilda in round 23 and um, beating the Bulldogs at home in round 24. So I've got Geelong seventh. And I, too, have Adelaide making it. Uh, how? I've got them making it on percentage from St Kilda and GWS. And that would mean that Adelaide would... Uh, I've got them losing to Brisbane this week, but I have got them winning their last two, which are against Sydney at home and West Coast away. And uh, their percentage, And this is where percentage is crucial. They've got a significant percentage advantage over both St Kilda and GWS, who I've got them finishing on the same points as. So um, there you go. We've both got Adelaide making it of your states. Interesting. Yes. So I've got the... In- I've... Interesting hearing you talk about your heart being with Adelaide. What, what, was there some connection I'm missing there? Or... Uh, uh, two reasons. One, I like the way they play. Yeah. And two, having coach Matthew Nix, like him to be some success. So that'd be great. Yeah. No, I thought so. I don't know Matthew Nix very well, but he seems like one of the really decent blokes in in yeah, the yeah, yeah. He's a really good fellow. He's done a fantastic job with him. So, uh, so I'd like to have reward for the rest of this year. So he didn't learn from you then. Uh, you're funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's uh, move on. Nine huge games to preview. Let's get cracking. On Footyology Previews with Punch. A massive Friday night game to kick off round 22, and it's between Collingwood and Geelong. MCG, 7.50pm. The Pies still first on the ladder, despite losing their last two, 16-4. and 32-point defeat at the hands of Hawthorne last Saturday. Uh, Geelong, ninth on the ladder, 10, 9, and 1 draw, and uh, scrambled over the line at home against Port Adelaide by 12 points last Saturday night. Head-to-head. Uh, Geelong, three and seven over the last ten. Uh, Collingwood, though, won the last meeting, which was the opening game of the season, by 22 points. The MCG, happy hunting ground for the Pies, of course. 
uh, 22 wins from 28 games since the start of last year. Uh, the Cats, 50-50 this year. They've won two, but they have lost three at the G. Uh, injuries. Well, I'll talk about them first because they're pretty pivotal to the assessment of this game. Nick Dacos has a hairline fracture in his knee. Six weeks seems to be even the most optimistic prognosis on that. That would have him missing at least the Pies' first final. And then, depending on how they go in that first final, maybe being available for the second. And I, and I think with that, there's no doubt in my mind he won't have an impact when he comes back anyway. Because with his leg, he's not going to be able to do any running for a minimum of four weeks. He might be on his um, some boxing or sit down boxing and do so. And it's not going to be like running. He, he is not going to be the impact player. They might just play him off half back. So that's going to be a bit of. Uh, a real, uh, um, uh, I suppose, a knock-on effect sort of bias for that. Even if he misses the first final, come back for the preliminary final. If they win that first one, he's he's not going to have the impact that he had before. Okay, well, that's uh, and not encouraging this to Collingwood fans. Uh, Nathan Murphy, of course, suffered the syndesmosis injury. That's the fashionable injury at the moment. Uh, he's looking at three games out. Um, and potentially, I think the impact of that underrated because he's been a really good sort of negating key defender for them, and his presence allows the likes of Jeremy Howe and Darcy Moore to sort of zone off and get free a bit easier, doesn't it? it no, it does. And uh, and he he's he's a bit unheralded, apart from his flopping, you know, which he gets a bit criticised for. He um, he had a great ability to support his teammates, so he'll come off his opponent and be able to intercept or be able to impact a contest. So, um, yeah, they're certainly going to miss him. Uh, they're certainly going to miss him. Does that change? Is, does that change more the way he plays? Does he stay at home a little bit more and doesn't uh, zone off? I'm interested to see how they cope. Well, Geelong uh, injury concerns there too. Of course, though, without uh, both Tom Hawkins with a hamstring injury last week, as well as Mark Blitzarves, and further bad news yesterday with uh, Jack Henry. Uh, unlikely to play again this year after a, um, what's it called, the Liz Frank injury on the opposite foot to the one that's caused him issues previously. So you take that now. Uh, Hawkins, they're saying, remains a chance to play this week. I'd find that pretty surprising if he's only missed one well, with a hamstring. Blitzarves, no. He's still a couple away. But you take out Blitzarves, you take out Hawkins, you take out Henry. They're just losing all their height in the wrong areas, Rocket. Uh, they are. And I think, uh, obviously, it was a good win last week against Port. But Port had more injuries. They had players pull out on the day. Yeah. Port were, you know, <laughs> feel for Port a bit. They, they should have beaten Collingwood. Uh, they were under man of the weekend. They were super under man against Carlton. So, they, you know, they're showing a lot of fight, Port. So, to me... To me, that heads towards Collingwood winning this game. I think they'll bounce back even without those players in. I think uh, the players uh, out for uh, Geelong will have a bit more of a bit of impact um, as a negative impact for Geelong. Uh, I, th- I think the Pies will, Pies will bounce back. I think they'll get their run going. Mitchell needs a, a big game. I think he'll be able to respond. He's a professional type player. Ben will be still a good player in the midfield. So they, they just need to get their bounce from halfback going again. Um, and I think they can win, especially without Hawkins. I think the Pies will win this one. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think that round one win, um, I mean, it was tight, but they did end up winning by, I think it was 22 points. And I think they, they handled Geelong well. Even the games between these two that Geelong have won have tended to be hard work. I mean, I, I guess the qualifying final last year was only a kick, wasn't it, really? So, um, And Geelong were in a much better state than they are now. And I think Collingwood, uh, a couple of things. I think, whereas last year we talked about Collingwood's resilience and they're so even and they're tough and they hang in there and they come back from behind, this year we've gone to a new level. We're talking about their brilliance. Maybe they haven't had to scrap and fight as much uh, this year as last year. And I think now, having lost a couple and they're sort of cobbing it left, right and centre, I think perhaps this is a time where you might see that resilience and those sort of harder, grittier qualities kick in. And Mitchell's a good one you mentioned because he has definitely been down on fall. Now, it's a good opportunity for Mitchell to sort of remind everyone why he is such a good player and prolific possession winner. So 
I think you might see that harder, grittier edged Collingwood kick in this week. And I think that plus those injuries to Geelong are going to be a bridge too far for the Cats. Not often I tip against the Cats because I'm a big believer, but I reckon Collingwood gets it done here narrowly. But I'm going for Collingwood to win this one by six points. What do you reckon? Uh, Collingwood by 11. 11. Okay. So in agreement on that one massive Friday night game. All right, let's turn our attention to Saturday. First game on Saturday afternoon, North Melbourne taking on Essendon Marvel Stadium, 1.45 p.m. The Roos, 17, two wins, 18 losses after a 32-point loss to Melbourne. And the Bombers, 12th, 10 and 10 after absolutely getting out of jail against the Eagles by just one point. Essendon have won their last nine against the Roos. North Melbourne's last win was 2016 and just scrambled over the line against them first time they played this season, which was round 12. Essendon winning that one by six points. Uh, the Roos, three and 16 at Marvel since the start of last year. Essendon, 10 wins, six losses at Marvel since the start of last year. Uh, Bombers have really hit the wall, I think, and the Roos have had a pretty ordinary season. How are you seeing this one, though, Rocket? Ben Cunnington's last game, emotional occasion. Uh, there must be a reasonable chance here. Yeah, I, I think they're hard to get a gauge on because they've shown some really positive signs at times. Um, Ransom killed it to eight points, then they go to Perth the next week and they can't get the job done. Um, maybe it was having improved a little bit as proof last week, but... Uh, then they'll get belted. I thought they were pretty good for a bit over half last week against the Demons, but then fell away through a lack of uh, uh, lack of poise, a lack of maturity, maybe a lack of talent in certain areas, especially down back. Um, but the Bombers, as you mentioned, have, have really fallen off a cliff. Now, we were singing their praises, uh, young side. Maybe that's that's the reason. A couple of injuries to key players. Their youth have started to run out of puff. But it's been a positive season for them. But uh, I think it's hard to go past them winning this game. I think they'll just get the job done. I think the Kangas will be spirited. Um, I think Ben Cunnington will be a bit of emotional attachment to it. But uh, all in all, I think I think uh, I think the bomb would probably just a little bit too much talent job done at the end. Well, you really saw the um, significance of not having Jordan Ridley marshalling the troops defensively. They were all at sea defensively, Essendon and have been for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, in terms of personnel, uh, still unlikely to see Sam Draper. I think he's just about done for the season. Jake Stringer, another one. Dylan Shield. I'm not sure we're going to see that. any of those three back even across the last three games. Will Satterfield made his comeback in the VFL, so probably we'll see him, and that should toughen up the midfield a bit. For the Roos, uh, their hopeful Wardwall will return this week. Shield still out for another week. And fitness tests on Coleman, Gota, and Powell. Um, decision also needs to be made on uh, Coleman Jones, uh, whether he comes up again. And Harvey will miss the remainder of this season after having surgery. So, yeah, emotional occasion for the Roos. They love being Cunnington. Do they respond? Uh, those things can always go one of either way, can't they? I thought they started pretty well last week, North. Uh, it is their home game. They get their home fans behind them. Uh, I'm going to let you tip first. I'm tempted to tip them. No, I'll tip the bombers by seven points. All right. So you're hedging your bets there, narrow margin. Um, all right. I'll stick with Essendon, but just two points. Uh, let's see if history proves me incorrect on that one. All right. Same time as that game going on, there's a game up in Sydney. Sydney takes on Gold Coast at the SCG, 1.45pm Saturday. The Swans are 10, uh, but have really revived their season now after a good win over GWS by 11 points. And they've only lost one game in the last seven. Of course, uh, that taking a draw against Geelong, but only lost once in the last seven games. And Gold Coast, 14, nine wins, 11 losses after a 28-point loss to Adelaide. Uh, head-to-head, Sydney won the first eight clashes between these two teams, but uh, the Swans are a team the Gold Coast don't mind themselves against. Since then, it's 4-3 to Gold Coast, although Sydney did win their last clash, which was in the opening round of the season, by 49 points. What about the SCG? 
Uh, Swans have struggled of late. They've only won three of the last eight games there. Gold Coast have won their last three games at the SCG. You don't get to say that much. I'll talk about personnel in a minute, but how are you saying this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to back Sydney on this one. I mean, that was a great win last week, albeit that they really did kick accurately. I think they had 11 straight at one stage, um, and that was probably the difference in the end, them be able to take their chances. But they got the Giants really on the um, on the turnover and um, out the back door and moved the ball really quickly. Gordon, again, was a great player. Um, the, the Suns showed signs in the first half, then fell away. Um, but the Swans have got too much to play for. Now they've now they're really a chance for the over. So now they get in um, at home. Uh, it, it's a must-win for them. Gordon in great form. Warner starting to head back into some some really great form. Uh, they're kicking goals. Amati and McDonald. So I uh, I think that they win reasonably comfortably. I think the I think the midfield of the um, of the Suns needs to be looked at. So uh, John Longmire looks at, needs to look at Rowell and Anderson and Miller. Uh, the thing, and obviously, which is a very good player. They struggle in the ruck a bit, the Swans. Hickey's been a great player, but he's obviously in you know, a twilight of his career. Uh, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be close most of the day. But I think, this, I think the Swans will get the biscuits. Just some uh, injury stuff for Gold Coast. Uh, will Powell, um, really bad luck for him. He's torn medial ligaments and will have surgery, but. Uh, yeah, some big fears for him initially after a, a shocking injury last year where he fractured and dislocated his ankle. Uh, he is expected to be available for the start of pre-season, but his season obviously over. Uh, the Swans, well, uh, might not be much charge yet. Justin McInerney still a couple of weeks away with a calf injury, so probably won't see him again. Uh, Dane Rampey's been doing some training this week, but uh, didn't John Longmire didn't sound overly optimistic that he'd be playing this week either. No, look, very much outside chance uh, of finals for Swans, but, you know, whilst there's life, there's hope. Uh, that isn't the case of Gold Coast, who, let's not forget, still don't have a proper coach. So they're uh, in a bit of limbo. The Suns are probably just waiting for the season to end so they can, uh, well, appoint someone, clean up the list and uh, load their guns and go again. So... Swans certainly have a lot more motivation, I think, and uh, it's at home, and I think they'll win pretty well. So I'm going to go for Sydney by uh, 36 points. What are you around? Oh, yeah, around about. Oh, the, the Swans by 21. 21. All right. Conserved you with your margins this week, Parker. All right. Uh, let's talk Twilight. All right. Uh, well, Big stakes for both these sides. Still very much in the finals hunt. And we're talking Brisbane, Adelaide. This one's at the Gabba, 4.35 p.m. Saturday, Twilight. The Lions are third on the ladder of 14 and 6 after a nail-biting win over Fremantle in Perth by three points. Adelaide, 11th on the ladder. 10 wins, 10 losses after a 20-point win, 28-point win over Gold Coast. Uh, Adelaide won when these two sides last met, which was in round 11. The Crows won by 17 points. Brisbane had won the previous four. What about the Gabba? Brisbane, 19 wins from 21 games there since the start of 2022. They've won all nine there in 2023. Uh, Adelaide haven't played the Gabba for three years. Haven't played there since 2020. Haven't won there since 2018, which strikes me as a bit of a significant factor. Uh, massive game for them. Uh, massive game for Brisbane, though, because they're desperate to get a top two spot and potentially two home finals. How are you seeing this one? Um, I think the logic will tell you that uh, you'd have to pick Brisbane on that record. Now, they haven't lost at home. They are a, they are a home team uh, side. They do play well. Haven't been the same side since Ashcroft's gone out. Um, people sit on Neil. Um, so Adelaide needs to if he can stop him, they haven't got a lot else. You know, you know been a really good player, but he's not a uh, a match winner. He's the hearted and under, and he puts pressure on, but he, he's not a great kick. He doesn't set the team up. So um, I think they're just treading water at the moment, uh, the Lions. I lost the week before. They struggled in, in Fremantle. Um, yeah, I've got some real some real question marks over them, to be honest, uh, going forward. Just let me throw up one. Uh, I, they're a side that needs to uh, get a bit of rebound happening off half-back. And I reckon to that end, one guy that they've missed of late is uh, Kitty Coleman. He's pretty 
important for them. He's been missing with that facial injury. I wonder if that sort of impacted their uh, their run and, and carry off halfback. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And 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 Daniel Richards' demise hasn't helped it either. I mean, he's uh, obviously he's kicking, so they haven't had a loss coming out of the back half, and they're a bit stodgy with their ball movement coming out of the back half, to be honest. And I think in the modern game shows you need to move the ball. You need to put some speed on the ball to give Cameron and Hipwood at least oh, it's been a bit of a chance. And, uh, um, I like Adelaide, even without Rankin, uh, two key players to me. Uh, uh, Dawson and Laird are playing extremely good footy in the middle. Uh, they're really great leaders. Uh, be consistent while they go. Tex Walker, you know, it's fantastic. Up forward, McCadden back in the side is showing. You now he's in for Rankin, and he's 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 a live wire. Um, that then they're missing. They're missing Murray. Bucks is another one that's gone. Uh, so they're probably lack of height there. But they they got through last week. Keen, the Irish guy is doing okay. I'm going for an upset. I'm I'm going to uh, I I'm 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 going to pick out. I think they've got a heap to play for. I think I might surprise the Lions. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, what's the word? I'm not um, temptuous of that call. I, I think they're a big chance too, but defensively, it does worry me. You touched on it there, but um, yeah, they've lost Murray for the season. They've lost Jordan Butts for the season. They already were without Tom Duday. So there's not a lot of experience height down back, um, which, you know, if you're coming up against the side with a couple of capable key forwards, Danaher, Hipwood, etc., is a worry. One big positive for them, mentioned Isaac Rankin. He's actually recovered pretty well from that hamstring injury. Um, big training session for him Wednesday as we record this, but gets through that. He's potentially a chance to play. It That would make a huge difference. I'm going to tip, though, on the basis he doesn't get up for that, and I'm also going to tip on the basis that it's at the Gabba and it's very hard to tip against Brisbane at the Gabba, particularly with the stakes being as high as they are. So I think it'll be tight. Um, I'm going to go for Brisbane by eight points. Uh, what was your margin on Adelaide? I didn't give one, but I'm going for 15 points. 15 points. Oh, super confident here, and you'll be adopted as a South Australian favourite son uh, <laughs> on the base. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, no, it's a lovely place, and they're lovely people, and I really mean that. I do mean that. It's funny how when you, you're as cynical as me, you can't get you get to the stage where anything you say, just people assume you're being sarcastic. I'm not. I really mean it. Well, fantastic game looming here. It's between Carlton and Melbourne at the MCG, 7.25 Saturday evening. The Blues are up to fifth on the ladder now. 11 wins after having won seven games on the trot. Uh, last Sunday, terrific come from behind win over St Kilda by 19 points. Uh, the Demons, though, they captured second spot on the ladder with a 32-point win over North Melbourne, and they've now won five in a row themselves. Head-to-head, the Demons have won the last eight meetings of these two, including round 12 this year when they won by 17 points. The Blues last beat Melbourne all the way back in 2016. Out at the MCG this year, they've won four, they've lost three and drawn another, but they have won their last three, coinciding with that seven-game winning streak. And the Demons are 10 wins from 11 appearances at the MCG this year. Uh, let's talk personnel, though, because it's pretty massive. So, Carlton, um, Adam Chera and Sam Walsh are going to miss at least another week. Uh, Jack Silvani closing in on a return, but won't be this week. So uh, a midfield, still no Chera, no Walsh, and no Matt Kennedy, um, who's still, I think, at least a few weeks away. Harry Mackay, still at least three weeks away. Mitch McGovern, still a couple of weeks away with a hamstring. Jim, they've done well with those injuries to be as competitive as they have, but Massive injury for Melbourne, this one. It sort of got overlooked a little bit because of Nick Dacos, but uh, Harrison Petty, he kicked six against Richmond, and you thought, okay, they've got their key forward and they've settled their forward structure down, and he started the game against North Melbourne really well with another couple, but uh, hurt his foot, and the news, sadly, for him and the Demons, is that his season is over. So no sooner have the Demons sort of settled down a preferred forward setup, 
and they've got to go on the hunt again. And Ben Brown, not in four. Bailey Fritz, still a couple of weeks away. Uh, good news on the injury front for the Demons is that Clayton Oliver just needs to get through training and he will play. And amazingly, because it looked done and dusted for him, but you might even see a veteran in Tom McDonald back in the frame because he's set to get the tick of approval to return to play this week. And they might actually be forced into picking him despite his age and despite his lack of miles in the legs rocket because they're running out of options up there. Yeah, they are. The pity was uh, seemed to be their answer, which seemed to be tantalising for them. You know, the Van Royen was starting to be consistent. Melchim's doing really well. And to get Fritch back into that uh, in that mix, it you know, gave them a lot of potency up there. It's interesting <laughs> watching um, Clayton Oliver be interviewed uh, last night on his way into training. It's either, and there was some subterfuge that people were reading into it, it's either he doesn't articulate that well or doesn't want to talk to the media or he was trying to hide the fact that he wasn't going to play this week. So I think it was probably the the former, not the latter. I think it was just the way he was talking. What, what, did, he, what did he say? Well, he didn't say much at all. He was sort of going around in circles and you didn't know what he was talking about, to be honest. And I didn't know what he was meaning, whether he was going to play or what training was. Um, so it's just like it's just like your usual doorstop with an AFL play. Yeah, it was very. It seemed to be very ambivalent to talk to the reporter. But um, I think we mentioned last week that he will need at least three games. So this gives him three weeks. So if now they'll monitor his game time, he'll now they'll have X amount of minutes. How many that is? Seventy or eighty minutes of game time. Um, but but it's a big inclusion for him. Um, and I think with the injuries. I know Petty's at a loss, but I think with the injuries that Carlton still have at the moment, they did a great job last week. I just don't think they can get it done this week against the Demons. I think the Demons will want the hold on to the top two spot, um, and I think they will, um, and I think they'll win this week. I tell you, the guy uh, watching that Melbourne North clash last week, the guy who is really sort of picking up Melbourne and carrying him on his shoulder at the moment is Jack Viney. He has been absolutely sensational in the midfield, and um, you know, it, it's no Oliver has increased the responsibility on Petrarca, but uh, Boyd Viney is so important yeah. to them in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I think both of, both of them, I, I think Petrarca's really responded well also. Like, he's uh, thrown him forward at times. He had a big game last week and, and the week before. He's helped him get over the line, but Viney's led from the front. Um, his uh, commitment and his hardness and uh, his... His willingness to win the ball, or his will to win the ball, is is and it's been very contagious amongst the group. So, yeah, I think they're getting their defensive actions back. You know, May and Weaver are starting to uh, play well together again. And now I think they, I think they win this game. And I get the demons by seventeen points. All right, um, I'm I'm going close with all my margins this week. It's a great round of footy, really competitive games. I'm going to go for Melbourne by 10 points, but uh, that promises to be a terrific game. Uh, well, what do you say? There's not much riding on this one in terms of uh, ladder significance or making finals because uh, they've both been out of it for a while, but it's one of those ones, Rocket, where you say no matter where they are on the ladder because <laughs> because it's a, uh, and you've got to be careful how you pronounce it, they get really shirty if you say Derby. So we won't say derby. It's a derby, a WA derby between West Coast and Fremantle. 8.10 Eastern Standard Time, Optus Stadium, which is pretty late. But I guess they're figuring now that both are out of the finals, no one in the East, those dreaded Eastern states will care about it. So they can play at whatever time they like. It's <laughs> just 6.10 local time. Address all correspondence to me on that one, Perth local. Uh, West Coast, the last on the ladder, two wins, 18 losses after that, uh, well, I was going to say heartbreaking one-point loss to Essendon, but uh, some very respected AFL figures were sort of implying that West Coast might not have been keen to win in the, in the finish. We won't go there, though. Fremantle, 15th on the ladder, eight wins and 12 losses. Uh, and look, they've recovered their form the last couple of weeks, beat Geelong and Geelong, and then pushed Brisbane all the way last week in that three-point loss. Head-to-head, overall, the record is 32 wins to Frio, 30, uh, sorry, 32 wins to West Coast, 24 wins to Frio. Frio have won the last four between these two, though, and did win by 41 points in round three. 
West Coast have only won three of their last 24 appearances at Optus Stadium. Uh, beat North Melbourne, though, last time by five points. And Freo, 50-50, really, since the start of last year. They've won 13 and now lost 10. Usual truckload of injuries for either club. So we'll zip through them in a moment. But what do you think about this one, Rocket? Uh, well, you can't trust Fremantle, but their forms we know can't have late. So you, you would think uh, they would win this. And I, with all due respect, it uh, is the derby that they um, – there's a bit of bit of riding on it. To be honest, at the West Coast Eagles don't want to finish second last. Um, not that they're going to tank, Ron, but uh, they're um, – they're, Put players out last year and uh, a whole range of different things like that. So I think three men have got a little bit more to, uh, pride to play for than uh, than the Eagles. And uh, I think they've you know, got a bit too much talent out on the park uh, and the way they're playing at the moment. So I, I think three men will win the game. And I just ask you, I might be a bit naive about this, but I, I always find the stuff about tanking and, oh, you know, they might miss out on Harley Reid. Well, you know, like I always find that stuff a bit overrated, to be honest. I mean, you're talking about one player on a list of 40, and if West Coast manipulated that to end up losing that game, they were pretty subtle about it, given they were, you know, five managed to drag themselves back from a five-goal deficit. So what? They said, okay, we're going to come back, but we're not going to come back too far. No, no, no. And oh, in that situation, you can't... You might be able to manufacture from a, from the coach's box if you wanted to play a certain player. That some of the media experts said they should play a player behind the ball. They didn't do that or go and add players at the stoppage. So I don't think they did that last week. But I would think internally and certainly administration-wise, they'll be hoping they finish last. They might get Harley Reid, but they'll trade it for three picks. So that fast tracks their resurgence. And so it's vital for them that they finish. No one's going to remember in 10 years' time when they finish second, last, third, last, or first, or last. But, but they'll remember it. They've got three first-round picks from the, from the trade of number one. So... Uh, once the players run out in the park, they're not trying to lose, and they're not told to try and lose. They'll be trying to win as best they can. And there's a bit of a motion task because it's Fremantle, but I just think Fremantle have, have too many guns now to win the game. All right, uh, I mentioned injuries to either uh, Luke Shuey. Um, he's going to set his sights on a, a round twenty-four farewell. I think after announcing. That retirement, um, oh, the rest of them, oh, let's do it. Barras, Burgill, Cully, Edwards, Ginby, Jones, Nat Nui, surely he's next on the retirement list. Ryan, Shee, Chewy, Waterman, Williams and West. Uh, Freo, uh, not quite as long for them, but Banfield, Chapman, Darcy, Draper, Fife, Hughes, Kuick and Walker. Most of them done for the season well, so... It's sort of like who's uh, who's left in the loop. Standing up, yeah. Um, yeah, look, Freo Sport has been a lot better the last couple of weeks and there's always a bit of pride at stake. And I said that head-to-head score is, uh, what is it, 32-24. to 24. Good chance for the Dockers to close it a little more. I think they get the job done. Uh, on a goes for Freo by 20 points. What do you reckon? Uh, Freo by 25. Utah Stadium in Launceston is the venue for the first of the Sunday games, 1.10pm, and it is Hawthorne up against the Western Bulldogs. The Hawks still 16th on the ladder, but uh, they've had some really good results this year. It's a pretty positive 16th, I think, as funny as that sounds. Six wins and 14 losses after a 32-point win over Collingwood. Uh, the Bulldogs... Have only won four of their last ten, but uh, good win over Richmond last week, and they had that. We're rolling into a bit of full feel about it. I think fifty-five points was the margin in that one. Head to head, the Bulldogs have won five of the last six against the Hawks and won by twenty-nine points back in round seven at Marvel Stadium. What about Launceston? Well, the Hawks six wins, four losses from their last ten games in Tassie, two-one this year. Uh, the Bulldogs in Launceston are three wins and five losses. Uh, did beat Hawthorne there last year and have won a final there, uh, no less. Remember, they beat Essendon in the Eliminations final there in 2021. I'll talk about injuries and personnel issues in a sec. Uh, but two impressive winners from last week, Rocket. Yes, uh, they were. The Hawks, I think it's more about showing what the future looks like. Um 
And you can see Sam Mitchell's style really taking hold. They handballed a lot uh, the whole year, so it's been handball-based. But he reined that back a bit last week. They had more kicks last week than they did in the previous league. Had more uncontested marks. So changed their style, which which is a great sign for a young side to sort of flip from plan A to plan B. Um, shows uh, you know, some good teachings there. I think they set themselves for Collingwood. They were disappointing the week before, but I think they set themselves for Collingwood. Big stage, big crowd. I think it might be an emotional letdown, even and now they're playing a non system, which is home away from home and won't suit the Bulldogs. But I um, I think with the young side, you're going to get these fluctuations. And we've spoken about that all year. They'll have some good wins and they'll have some disappointing games. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the Dogs with Jones back, it really does solidify their defence. Uh, you know, they gain a lot of confidence with him there. Bond and Pelly's the star. I know I made mention a few weeks ago about. He'll be take over from number one from the great EJ by the end of his career, and I've got no doubt that'll happen. If he could just kick straight while he's in a set shot, it'd be um, fantastic for the team. Bailey Smith starting to return to form. Uh, Trelaw's getting some form. Uh, Norton and Jamar are looking at it four in the first quarter last week. So I think the um, the upside for the for the Dogs is is really positive, and they want to hit the finals. Uh, certainly finishing fifth or sixth to get a home final, um, and I think they'll win this game. There were uh, controversial comments you made about Bontempelli and Witten. I picked up a copy of the local uh, paper and said, uh, E slags off EJ was the hip <laughs> one. Oh, indeed, that to the great man. <laughs> yeah, the problem is you, you can't even get a headline saying stuff like that anymore because Kane Corns has done it so often. It's like the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> you can say of anyone, no one bats an eyelid. Um, no, no, interesting call. And uh, look, speaking um, about Bulldog defenders, uh, both Alex Keith and Ryan Gardner could be available this week. So certainly the defence looking a bit stronger than it has for a while. Um, Hawthorne personnel-wise, Carl Amon is on track to return after missing the past fortnight with an injury, but that's about it in terms of personnel for them. Yeah, I tend to agree with you that uh, they did seem to really get themselves up for that Collingwood clash. They did play well in Tassie, but um, as I said, I mean, the Bulldogs won a final there. They beat Hawthorne down there last year, and they've got heaps to play for. They're almost like um, they've become the, the team going under the radar a bit. With I think it's because they, they win a couple in a row, and then I have a disappointing one, and everyone goes, oh, here we go. We're back to talking about the same stuff again. But there was something a bit ominous, I thought, about that win over Richmond. And sure, Richmond had just about put the cue in the rack. But uh, they looked pretty good, the doggies. And they looked a bit more potent up forward where Hugo Hagen is really finding some great form. And that makes a huge difference for him. Takes a bit of pressure off Norton, who's struggled with that pressure. So that might make him a bit more potent as well. Yeah, I'm going for the dogs to get it done here. It's always a struggle to win by a lot down there, isn't it? Uh, difficult. It is, and it can be windy. The other thing, and we made mention uh, going into the Giants game that Cal Ward could be the player that went to Bontempelli. Kingsley moved that at a quarter time and changed the whole game. Finn McInnes will go to Bontempelli this week. The body yeah. size, done a really good job out of the Bulldogs Cup with that. If he has an, an, an effect on Bontempelli, does that make an impact on the rest of the team? So uh, that'll be one that we keep an interesting eye on, but I think the dogs will win, but I don't think it'll be a, uh, a big margin at the end of that day. You love your run with players, don't you? So, oh, I can't believe that they, you can't, I, I think you should be able to develop three or four. So one that can be a, like a Ben Keyes who can tag as a forward. You can have your in and under midfield, like on a Bonapelli, but then an outside runner. So you don't just have the one place, so, but you can develop players who can sacrifice their game particular weeks. Because if you can stop the opposition's best player, say Nick Dacos, it's going to help you win the game. No doubt. If it upsets your structure, well, bad luck. But I, I just can't believe that coaches won't do that more more consistently. I think Mitchell has shown that he is prepared to do that. I think I actually said on uh, 3AW last Sunday that the person who would be happiest about Finn McGuinness's job on Nick Dacos was uh, a certain former uh, Sydney Bulldogs and Gold Coast coach. And they said, who are you talking about? I said, how quickly do I forget? No, I'm just not talking to all you. No, I knew you'd be happy. I was watching that game thinking, oh, Rocket will be absolutely loving this. Um, all right, I think we go both going for the Bulldogs. Give us a margin. Uh, by 11 points. I don't think it'll be much. 
No, I, I tend to agree. I'm going to go for the Bulldogs by 12 points. St Kilda taking on Richmond. I don't know about you, Rocket. It's definitely a sign of my age, but whenever I hear those two teams, I immediately always think of Ian Stewart, who, of course, one great man, the great, the great, uh, one of the greatest of all time. Oh, because he's a Tasmanian. Right, I get it. What's right? Uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, he won Brownlow with uh, both of those clubs. Uh, so, the uh, and the Hall of Fame for both of them, Team of the Century for both. Yeah, all right, take it down a notch. No, he's a speed. Well, he's just start. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't decry him. No, no, I can't decry him. And uh, unfortunately, I'm old enough to have seen enough of him playing. Like, I don't like that. All right. Anyway, back on the subject. St Kilda play Richmond at 3.20 p.m. Marble Stadium. Uh, the Saints, 7th on the ladder now. 11 wins, 9 losses after that 9-point loss to Carlton. Richmond, a 38, 9 wins, 10 losses, and a draw after a 55-point spanking at the hands of the Bulldogs. Uh, head-to-head, the last 10 meetings have gone 7-3 the way of Richmond, uh, who won the previous meeting between those two teams in round 14 by 20 points. Not all that long ago at all, but a bit seems to have shifted Richmond, not the force they were or seemed to be when they won that one. St Kilda have won 12 and lost 11 at Marvel since the start of last year. Now, this one is significant. Richmond. They don't like this ground, and uh, we know Damien Harwick came out and said that. Well, he's not the coach anymore, but the Tigers still don't like this ground. Last seven games, they haven't won any of them. The best they've done is a draw against, uh, that was Fremantle last year, and they've lost the other six. So not a venue they like, and I don't think their fans like it uh, much either, and it's a St Kilda home game. So I wonder how many Richmond fans will actually Turn up for this one. We'll talk about injuries shortly, but um, yeah, the Saints need to find a, a response after last week, Rocket, and you suspect they will. Uh, yeah, they will. They were, yeah, they were not too bad for most of the game. Um, they hung in there. They showed a bit and scored some goals. I think the Tigers just about running out of, out of legs. Um, they might have one last gasp, but I think the Marble Stadium is is the is the big clincher here. I think. Uh, and the Saints played really well. They they are in the eight and deservedly so at the moment, and they need to hang on. So they've got a bit to play for. I think uh, now they moved the ball quickly the week before and scored nine goals in the first quarter. They showed a bit last week. They were in front, um, four goals or whatever it was at some stage, but uh, Carlton were able to peg them back. The, the, their biggest issue is be able to score consistently. Um, King is not a it's not a consistent. Uh, uh, scorer of goals. Higgins has probably their, been their most consistent. Butler's been in and out. Grishin gets dropped. He doesn't. Uh, so they really do battle. They're slow in the midfield. Um, Steele's a really good player. Uh, they have to put Sinclair in there, but he's not a natural midfielder. I think they he he tends to run one way. He's not a great defensively runner. He's not a, not a two-way. He's got some speed and he's, good. he's certainly a better half-back flanker. Uh, but I think it's really going to depend on do the guns of Richmond, do they fire? If they don't fire, they're not going to win. Um, does Martin have a big game? Does uh, Taranto get back to his form early in the year? Can Rewalt kick some goals? Without Lynch, they, they haven't got a consistent forward or a goal to. So I think the, I think the Saints will win this because they've got a fair bit more to play for. Well, they do have uh, players on the way back from injuries, and injury has been a byword for them this year, but... Hing and Hill back last weekend. Ross uh, pushing to be available this week after hamstring issues. Um, Howard, he's missed the last two weeks with a broken wrist, but um, I think I don't think he's going to play. But there's it's a significantly shorter injury list, which is one plus for them at least. Uh, Richmond's a really interesting one in terms of their personnel because cop this, these guys could all theoretically be available this week. Martin. Cochin, uh, Grimes, um, and Morris Rioli Jr., who's been concussed, concussed. So do you reckon that at this stage of a season, if you've basically given up on finals, do you roll the dice on playing all those blokes in the one go or not? Well, Martin, you do. Um, Cochin, if it's his last year, do you, you work out with him if it is his last year, how does he want that to finish? You're lucky he'll play the last time in away game because... You play this. I don't think Grimes and Cochin are going to help them that much this week. And it comes back to Martin. If Martin plays, 
uh, and plays well, well, you know, he could help tilt the balance uh, their way. But I, I still think that St Kilda have got a bit more to play for and I think they can win. Yeah, same here. Uh, give us a margin on this one. Uh, all about the same. I, I think it's about that two to three goal mark. Um, again, 13 points for the Saints. That's 13. And I've just written mine down and it's 14. So uh, we're uh, disturbing we in sync this week. That, that worries me. Um, <laughs> no, just it don't worry. But, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it shouldn't because I've uh, streeted ahead of you in the tips. Um, all right, one game left and it's a big one. Let's discuss that. And round 22 wraps up with a big clash with finals ramifications. Port Adelaide v GWS. It's at Adelaide Oval, 4.40pm Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the power fourth on the ladder now. Uh, 14 wins, six losses after that 12-point loss to the Cats. Their fourth loss in a row. And GWS had won seven in a row, but went under to Sydney last week by 11 points. They are now eighth with an 11-9 win-loss record. Head-to-head, Port Adelaide have won seven and lost six. They have won the last three against the Giants of Power. Uh, But this is one of those never-play meet-ups. They've only played six times, those two, in the last six years. So clearly not one of those favoured return bout uh, matchups for the AFL. Port at Adelaide Oval have won 15 of their last 20. Uh, GWS at Adelaide Oval have seven wins and eight losses. Uh, did win there quite recently, though. 14-point win over Adelaide in round 18, which was a great win, actually. A real strong comeback win about a month ago. Um, I'll give you some injury news, and it's pretty significant for the power in particular. But how are you seeing this one initially, Rocket? Um Initially, I and I worry about the Giants. They've got a, a tough drive. This one, Essendon, they should win. Then they've got Carlton last game. So they're yeah. really on the cusp of missing the eight, even though they probably deserve to be there. Um, Port have lost four in a row, as you said. Two have been honourable losses. Uh, one was a belting, and the other one, Carlton, they had a lot of players out. So their form line's not as bad as people think. People judge it on the win-loss, but... They have got, had some players out, so hopefully they can get some players back. But they need a win and their confidence levels for their belief. If, you, if the losses keep stacking up, you, you start to answer shadows a bit, so individually and sometimes collectively. So I think they've got a bit to play for. They're playing at home. I know the Giants won their last time, and I've, I've been the Giants bandwagon this year, but I, I think Port could win this game. Well, it was a pretty... Um... You know, you hesitate, you hesitate to use the phrase moral victory for sounding, uh, you sound like an English cricket person, but <laughs> um, at Kane Court's pulled this one out too, I think probably unsurprisingly, but I think given all the absentees, that was a pretty good effort down Geelong by them, and the good news is both Aaliyah and Jones, who've been missing because of concussion, they're expected to play. Dixon's the interesting one, he's got a foot injury, which doesn't sound like it's coming up too quickly, so we may not say, see him, but uh, other uh, withdrawal or absentees last week, Farrell was one with illness, Finlayson another one, they'll both be available as well, and Port have now lost that top two position, and that's critical for them getting the two home finals, I think, so they're desperate, they need to win everything. Starting with this, um, GWS have been outstanding this year, we've sung their praises regularly, but that could end up being a significant loss to the Swans that, uh, as you say, tough run home may cost them a final spot. Personnel-wise, uh, Callahan may miss a second week with soreness. Um, that's probably about it for them in terms of injuries. But, and this hasn't been talked about either, but costly losses for them through suspension. Uh, Daniels, who I think is pretty important to the Brett Daniels, and Bedford, Toby Bedford, who I think, has had his moments for them in the latter half of this year, and they're both missing this week. I think that makes a big difference too. Probably enough for me to to tip the home side. I think. Which way are you leading in this one? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm Port. I think they'll. We know they've got a. Now the both sides got a lot to play for, but Port have got to just cement their belief. Um, I, I think it'll be tight. I think all games with the involved the Giants are always pretty close. Are always under that twenty point margin. Um, 
So I'm going for forward by seven points. Yeah, I'm I'm going uh, close range too. I've got about four hips in that sort of uh, ten to twenty point range. I'm going to go for Port Adelaide by sixteen points. Now we know how much you love the Giants. They've got Essendon and Carlton left. Would have to win both Carlton at Marvel Stadium too. Um, can they do it? You've got a missing the eight, haven't you? Can they do it? Mm, yeah, I think they're a tough draw. I think the, the Swans lost. It's going to it's going to hurt them. Uh, yeah. I think they're all so close. I think Adelaide. No, if if they win two of the three, then Adelaide win two. Adelaide's percentage is is just it's just so good. And they played the Eagles last game, which they can really cement that. So uh, I think that some of these teams, some Gilda Giants, they may need to win minimum two, some of them maybe three. So it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be really tight, but yeah, it's going to be unfortunate for them. Uh, but I think they might miss just. All right, uh, so Port Adelaide for both of us there. So uh, we differ only on the one game this week. I've gone with Brisbane. You've gone with Adelaide, but a uh, very tight round and uh, an interesting round coming up. Uh, great stuff, Rocket. Thanks for that. Um, thanks everyone for listening. I'm going to head off now and uh, put on that. Classic by the Scorpions, the winds of change. Thanks for putting that earworm in my head, Rocket. I'm, I'm gonna, Sorry about that. I'm going to have a cow through my head all day now. But uh, anyway, let's concentrate on the footy. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll speak to you there.